0: We are back with an in-studio guest, our first guest on The Modern Recordist for 2016 after doing a back-to-back run of the producer's notes for the entire month of January, a series on recording drums taken from my Recording Drums one 101 resource on my website. If you're having trouble recording drums, whether it's because you're extra budget conscious or you're just confused as to how to record great drum sounds, this is for you. I simplify things so they're easy to understand and I help you record great sounding drums even if you're on an extreme budget. Check out my Recording Drums 101 resource. Check out our January podcast episodes all on my website at johnstinson.com. Remember there's no H in John. But now it's February and we're getting back into the swing of things with our normal schedule. We're bringing guests back on the show And we're getting some great ones lined up for you, starting with our guest that's sitting across from me today. So welcome, all you Modern Recordists, to episode 37 of the Modern Recordists. This is the podcast where we talk all about designing and living your life as an extraordinary artistic visionary discussing inspiring and creative ideas around making music and art that creates an impact in the world. On this podcast, we sit down with musicians, songwriters, artists, producers, and all manner of artistic visionaries to learn exactly what we have to do and who we have to be to create meaning and live out our artistic visions. I'm your host, John Stinson, a Nashville-based producer, recording engineer, a collector of experiences, a lifelong learner, a lifelong teacher, and an artistic visionary in my own right. And I welcome you to episode 37 of The Modern Recordist. I'm excited about today's show and the fact that I get to hang out with an old friend and catch up on all the latest that he's had going on, and he's definitely had a lot going on. My guest today is a songwriter, musician, and producer who's had a lot of sync placements on shows like Grey's Anatomy, iZombie, Pretty Little Liars. Recently had a cut with Panic at the Disco uh, as a co-write on the song... Hallelujah, from their latest record, Death of a Bachelor, which just hit, which just hit number one today as we record this episode. Uh, he recently co-wrote a song for the TV show Empire. They got a kind of legit female rocker. Some chick named Courtney Love sang on it. Uh, he's an old friend of mine here in the Nashville music scene. We're coming to you today from his recently constructed studio in Nashville. The last time I walked through this place... Was at the very beginning of a build out that had just gone underway, but now it's complete and it looks awesome here. Playing us into the show with a track you wrote, recorded, and produced. Friends, I introduce you to my good friend and artistic visionary, Aaron Wright. Dude, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for hosting us at your place today.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for coming over here.
0: Awesome, man. So, uh, yeah, let's hit it. Play us in.
1: All right.
2: I have seen All I care to see Of this world It has no more for me I need the calm Forgiving peace That only comes from my family I wanna go home I want to go home I'm following the lead of the setting sun And I'm going back where I came from Like an old oak tree that no longer grows as time went by, I got hollow. If you don't know when to stay, if you don't know when to go, then you might be building your own gallows. I wanna go home. I wanna. Following the lead of the setting sun, and I'm going back where I came from. Mama's on the front porch, waving for me. My father's got his hands fixing something. My brother says that he is just Glad to see my face That's why I'm going on home I'm going home I'm following the lead Of the setting sun And I'm going back Where I came from That's why I'm going home
0: Yeah, tell us about that track.
1: So that track, um, so that track was uh, originally I wrote. Uh, I wrote that song for a show called Heart of Dixie. It's on the CW, and it was a completely different song. It was like a a foot stomping sort of, almost like a country song, like a folk country kind of song. Um, it was really upbeat, and then um, I think Shonda Rhimes she. I think the, the the legend goes she was on the on an airplane and she she by chance saw Mary J Blige, and she just decided she wanted um, don't quote me on this, but she she wanted nothing but like soul music for the rest of that season. So I had to figure out how to how to kind of do soul music. So I turned that song when I kind of slowed it down and played it on piano. It just totally made sense that way as well. Um, cool. Yeah.
0: Cool. So, so what's the? Uh, where did that? Tell us about like, is that was that something that, that you got you had placed somewhere? You did a cut with somebody, or what's what's the story on that?
1: Um, well, I mean, I so that the, the song that the version you just heard was played on Grey's Anatomy. Okay. Um, and then uh, there's also um, there's an artist um, on Columbia that is that I, I recorded singing a version of that of that song as well. Um, and hopefully he'll be cutting that. I don't know yet, but, um, so I don't know if I'll even say who it is, Cool. but (laughs) (laughs) so, um, I mean, that's just, that's one of the things I love about songs is they can just be they can be. They can have all, all different sorts of lice of of not lice. Sometimes they have lice depending on where they've been. <laughs> um, my na- <laughs> they've been to my neighbor's house, but if they um <laughs> they can have all different sorts of lives, and and I love that. I love I love thinking about that from the front end, or, or sometimes just discovering it later, and uh, you know whether it's for an artist or, or just speeding up or right. Down yeah, or, that's
0: really cool. So yeah, it, it, there's actually uh, I was. Um, listening back to this band that I had worked with, well, actually I didn't work with them. Um, It was one band that I worked with. They reformed into a different band and they took this song that we had recorded and, and I like co-produced it with them years ago. And then they like reworked it into their new catalog. And it's like, it was like a completely, it was the same song. It was like, I was thinking about it. It was like, man, this is like, it's the same song, but it's like, not, it's like, you know, like, I guess, like, the basic melody and stuff, and then, of course, the, like, the lyrics were the same and everything, but there was this, like, they worked... Like, one was, like, sort of this indie rock, but this other version was, like, this... Just this real ambient synth, dark pop kind of version of it, you know, it was really mm-hmm. interesting. So, that's cool, yeah. It's, like, um it's really cool how you can you can take songs through different permutations and things. So, that particular song started off uh, as something that was, like, a more of a kind of a, a raucous kind of...
1: Yeah, it's like... <laughs> I have seen all I can see. It was like that kind of uh-huh. much, much faster, and it was like a, you know, just four on the floor kind of. Um, sorry, listeners, I didn't warn you about the the clapping that was about to happen, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just a totally different song, and um, and then it ended up as being this, and it could be something else tomorrow, depending on on what what's needed, you know.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So, um, so yeah, let's talk about um what's been going on because you know you and I like I had mentioned in the intro um you know you're you're one of my older kind of national music scene friends like mm-hmm. but I think you and I crossed paths before either one of us were actually official officially in the music business and doing this professionally and yeah then... we
1: we met at Waffle House remember late really is that, late is one that, night is that, is that is that for real yeah that's for real is um, it really we were both know. in school you were at Belmont and I was at Lipscomb um and it was probably like maybe two in the morning at Waffle House, and you were wearing you. We we both had earrings back then. <laughs> like you had a bunch more than I did, probably. Um, and then, uh, and you're wearing a, a, a like a fake fur coat, maybe.
0: Really? Yeah. This is a, this is sure. awesome. I have yeah. I have no memory of this, but and I was just
1: like I gotta meet this guy. <laughs> I have to, and then and then it turned out we had a bunch of mutual friends because you went to Lipscomb High School. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We'll, that's we'll go way back.
0: that's the, the memory I I don't actually don't specifically remember that, but but I do remember being like in, in college. There was a lot of two a.m. Waffle House. Uh, which typically meant that I was up to no good that mm-hmm. it's not, like that night, you know, mm-hmm. especially if I'm at Waffle House in a fur coat or something like <laughs> there's some real nonsense going on there that like uh-huh. probably uh, erased from my memory or whatever. But that's yeah. really, that's hilarious. I do remember, you know, really kind of being introduced through um, mutual friends and stuff, but yeah, it's really cool. Like, um, you know we uh we met bef- before we were either one like really officially in the music business but yet we both were had this passion for music and we both kind of knew wh- what we wanted to do and that we would eventually end up in the music business right. but you know it's one of those things where you get um kind of into your adult life and you're doing your thing and it's heads down and and you're and like you know as as Uh, entertainment business can be and creating and stuff, you can get yourself kind of like isolated a lot of times, you know? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of, there's a lot of people that I don't get to to stay connected with, or I don't do as, as maybe as a good of a job as I should, because I'm kind of the guy who will disappear into the studio for a while. Oh, me too. So it's good that we, um, that we get to catch up like this and take this time. You know, the last time I saw you, we haven't really like properly hung out in a while, but then the last time I saw you like I said, like I, I was walking through the studio here you're showing me around it was a really cool random incident where I was with a friend in the neighborhood and then mm-hmm. you pulled up and you're like, oh yeah, I own that building and that building and come see my studio <laughs> and and uh, and we walked over here and it was really cool and it's really cool to see how this place is kind of like shaped up and now you've got your gear in here you've built out the uh kind of like a little ISO booth. ISO booth, but it's a a big ISO booth though. I was going to say it's like almost like a tracking room, you know, it's like a between an ISO booth and a tracking room. Yeah. And you know, it's really cool. It's a vibey thing. And anyway, you've had a lot going on since, Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, since you, you jumped in, since really you and I were last like properly hanging out on a regular basis. So, um, yeah, take us through like the last, maybe like the last, seems like the last year has been a big year for you. You've had some, like we mentioned, there were some, some big cuts that have happened and co-writes and uh, a lot of things like that. You used to be doing more of the artist thing. Now you're doing kind of more of the, the the songwriter thing, but you're still producing and all that. So, Mm -hmm. you you know, what's the, what's, what's life look like in your arena of the music business these days? And and like, what, what, what are some of the things you've been up to?
1: Um, the, well, I guess really about a year and a half ago, I signed a I signed a publishing deal, and that's when things really changed for me. Before that, I was um, I, w- I was always doing music. I'm the type of person that would always be writing music, regardless of whether I was making money at it or not. Um, and it, and I had um, and so I had been trying to get TV placements on my own for for years since since I did my first record. In two thousand six, two thousand seven, something like that. Um, and so, at that time, after I did the record, I I saw my friends going out and, and touring, and coming back broke, and and their wives leaving them, and all kinds of, mm. you know, it just wasn't. Uh, it just didn't make sense to me. and I didn't love it. I never, I never loved being in a strange city and waiting all day, and mm-hmm. then, um, and I just don't really care too much about the um, that instant sort of feedback from playing live. I used to, I used to like playing live. Okay. But, but overall, I just, what I really, really love is, um, is being in the studio and, and recording it, writing and recording and putting it out into the world through, um, you know, whatever makes the most sense at the time. And at the time and still today, it's like getting it on a TV show. So it's mm-hmm. in front of, you know, millions of people instead of playing to in some crappy club for 10 mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So I was cold emailing people, which now I know is not really how music supervisors like to be communicated with. But but it worked a few times for me and um and through that um I wrote I wrote my who's now my best friend, um, Casey Truman. I wrote her on MySpace. We actually have a strong disagreement about how this all went down, but my version, <laughs> I'll tell you my version, is that um as we, I wrote her on MySpace and then I sent her a record. She's one of the, one out of a hundred supervisors that so, responded. So
0: you you, 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 hit her up on MySpace. So that means mm. that this was like, this, this had to be, I mean.
1: 2007. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was going to say 2005. I know. Okay. It's, yeah. yeah. It's okay. So, all right. Hit her up so, on MySpace. So she
1: actually wrote me back. She loved my record. Um, I, I mean, I wrote tons and tons of people and, and so many people, just I, you know, I was totally fine being rejected. I was just gonna. I just decided I was gonna do that. Um. So we we became like email buddies for three years or so, or even longer. I don't know. Um, which I I like regret now because she's so awesome. Um, I wish I would, you know, had just known her. But she eventually came to Nashville for some sort of, event or something. And
0: and where was she based out of?
1: She's in L.A. Okay. For she works for Chop Shop okay. music supervision. Okay. Um, and she came and we were just instant best buds and, um, with, with, with my wife and and with her. And so, um, and so when she finally, um, uh, when, when Chop Shop started, um, decided to become a publishing company as well as a music supervision company, um, she, she thought of me and, and asked if she could sign me. And so... And that's that's a partnership with uh, Songs Publishing, which is in L.A., and New York, and, and London as well.
0: Cool. So that was kind of like a, a, a turning point for you. You were going, like, you had decided, you know, at the at the time, like, say, pre-2007, leading up to 2007, sometime in that area, you, you know, you were doing sort of the artisting, releasing, mm-hmm. you know, making an album and all that kind of stuff, and then sort of, like, realizing the standard kind of, write music, record it in the studio, go tour to support it. That's no, not really for me. Right. And so, right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So does the, the then it presented the question, okay, so, so how, how do you make a living at this? Do you make a living at it? does it matter. You know, and, and for a while I, so I have a degree in Spanish. Um, so initially my, my goal is just to make a teacher's salary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I think I, I probably came close to doing that uh, on my own. Um, and then, but I always did other things. I started a software company for, I was a photographer. Um, I've done all sorts of things to, mm-hmm. to make ends meet while I was still doing music. Uh, and then, um, you know, and then so then a year and a half ago, um, when I got the publishing, that's when things really took off. And, and that's if I was to, if I could do it all over again, I mean, I guess they didn't exist. I really love working with Casey. So I don't know if I would care to be with another publisher necessarily, but um, if I were to, I guess if I were to talk, be talking to some young artists, I would recommend if they want to do what I do anyway, that they get a team, get a team built. Like you always hear that in the books, like the music business books, mm-hmm. like build a team, but mm-hmm. I was just sort of a do it yourself person. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a mistake. Like I really just needed to be focusing on the music and, and having other people that really, you know, some that really care and can champion what I'm doing. Right. And that's when things really started moving along when mm-hmm. I could just put my head down and work and somebody was giving me deadlines. That was a huge thing for me because I'm so, um, like a lot of artists I'll go on working on something forever. If nobody's telling me to like wrap it up and yeah. I need it, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 That's, um, that's, that's, that's good. Uh, good sort of like advice and, and, and really something that like, You know, I think, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of people, I think, um, you know, it's my perspective on sort of like the music business. Uh, I, I got out of school in 2004, you know, when I, when we, when I was a, like a freshman or sophomore in college was when like sort of kind of, it all kind of hit the fan in terms of like. It, yeah. just in the music business got things got tossed and I was like, wait, what's going on. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then like, it's almost as if like in a way, like almost as if overnight business models changed and then people's, everybody's like, well, what's going on. And then there was this sort of, after that there was this, you know, some sometime around like 2005, 2007, all that. There's this whole sort of, um, I don't know, time period, I guess of this, Do it yourself musician kind of thing, and this whole like everybody's talking about. Oh, you don't need record label. You don't need like it's like the CD
1: Baby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everybody
0: like do it yourself and everything. And I remember, um, I remember at some some point there was a a a smaller group of people. It actually may have been some of the people at CD Baby because because I got the um, I was like managing a band, and through that Mm -hmm. I, I got to I built a relationship with some of the people at CD Baby, and I remember them talking about like. You know, there's this whole DIY thing, and, and and it's really like artists think that they have to do all this stuff themselves. And you know, at a certain point, yeah. it becomes a mistake. And I actually was just listening to a podcast on the way over here, an awesome podcast that I love called London Real. Um, I recommend everybody check it out. It's, it has nothing to do with music, but it, it's got a, it's got everything to do with just um, kind of like being um the best version of you, I guess. And so like that really encompasses a lot of things. And they do have artists on there like Imogen Heap was on there. They talk about all kinds of things and there's a lot of takeaways. But one of the things that he was talking about was that very thing is just like, you know, people he was in, in the in the arena of like Silicon Valley and people in these startups and people are trying to like run this company and do everything and it's a mistake it's a mistake. Like you, you know, right. you're not, you're, you're like working too much in the business and not on the business. You're not thinking like high level you're not thinking about like in the, in the sense of like what you're talking about as a musician, what's the core thing that I need to be doing? You know, like the, the, the like the rest of this commerce or, or business or whatever is built around the music that I need to be creating. And if, and if I'm like doing all these other things, that's like, brain cycles spent on other things. And I'm that, I'm not doing anything very well at that point, you know, and I've, I've struggled with that. So that's, that's really, you know, that's cool um, to hear you talk about that and sort of like your unique uh, experience of how you like came to that. And, and then, you know, your, how you, you ended up like using, like focusing in on, on what you needed to do. Yeah. I
1: mean, I'm still, I'm still working on that i mean I, I think it's still a challenge to not want to do things um just do them yourself sometimes it's easier but um i mean it's like a joke between my wife and i it's just i mean how many times i've said i just want to be playing music mm-hmm. you know um having to do all these other things so i've always been trying to automate um automate thing other things that i don't want to do or and and now i'm getting better at delegating as well. Um, and I, I think part of that is just, is just getting older and, and, um, and just realizing that, uh, the transience of life. And I think I just keep trying to, um, just come just zero in on what I really, really want to be doing and, um, just find solutions for everything else. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, so you, um, you mentioned a few things like that you had built a software company and you had other, uh, a couple of other things. You, are Mm -hmm. you, do you still, are you still involved in any of that kind of stuff? Do you still pursue that kind of stuff?
1: Um, I, I don't actually, I, I mean, I should, I sort of just stopped. I had the software company actually, um, it's a, it's photography software. It's still, it's still technically running, but I basically just like abandoned it because, um, uh, it's just too, I have too many, I I have more opportunities than, than I can, than I have time for yeah. with music. And, um, so I'm, I'm just sort of seizing this season right. in my life, So, you know? but,
0: but it sounds like, you know, you had those other things going on and they were like partially rooted in like a passion, but also partially rooted in like trying to just kind of juggle a lot of things so that you could, so maybe like something would stick or like what was kind of, you know, because I, I, I'm interested in that because I find myself often in the same place, right? I have this mm-hmm. one core thing that is like, if I, was to, if I was to say, what, you know, what's your, what's your like, your one core target thing that you're, that this is your vision for your life. It's, you know, it's it's creating music. Right. But then there's a lot of other things that I get involved in and it's right. an interesting. I, I really, I'm interested in that because I share that uh, commonality with you. And, and I'm just interested in like kind of what's, what was your thought process? Was it sort of like, well, I'm just going to try to do a whole bunch of different things, see what sticks or, or I'm going to try to like no. create stuff that would sustain me or,
1: um, my, my goal and everybody laughed at me was to make money while I sleep. So that, that's what, that was the premise for starting that business is I, I just saw that there was, um, there was an opportunity, to make some software that I knew how to make with without having to learn a lot. And then, and then it just, the, the business just ran automatically. So I, I had a bunch of ads going on Facebook. I actually still do today. And, uh, in Google ads. And I just, I, I, um, you can track how you, how you, how, um, the ads are doing and, and how much you spend. So I knew that for every dollar I spent, I'd make, you know, three or $4 mm-hmm. every, do- every dollar I spent in advertising, I make three or $4. So, My goal in doing anything was it was always a secondary passion. I always wanted to do music and that's why it's like a joke. So if I was doing, I I, I did, I did photography, I did commercial photography, wedding photography. Um, I never, I I liked doing that, but I never loved it. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I wake up all, I want to do music. Um, And so I feel so lucky to be able to do that now. So any other type of business I did, I did wedding photography because I could work, you know, I had, to, I was obligated to be somewhere one day a week, you know, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the time I had off, I did the software company because I, I had to do very little work to make a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always creating freedom that to me, that is wealth is just having the freedom to be able to do music. Yeah. Um, and then now because of the opportunities I have, I'm able to actually do music and get paid for it, which, um, which if depending on who you are, could be, a, could be, it could be a blessing and a curse. For me, it's pretty much just been a blessing because I don't know, I I kind of lost my, my like artist ego. I don't really, I think, I think it's really hard to do what I do. If you're, if you're, if you have, um, that really strong artist ego and you think of yourself as, as a certain thing. Um, I, I think of myself as an artist, but in, in a different way. Um, I, I think of myself as somebody that as a song as more of a songwriter artist, Mm-hmm. In that sense, than then like a a performing artist, because mm. um, I, I, I kind of like we talked about earlier. I love the the core of a song and how, and, and that being a solid um, entity within itself, and then that can be a bunch of different things. So I care about that more than basically like you know, kind of the glor- glorification of myself through whatever whatever I'm doing. You know,
0: yeah, you're you're about being somebody who creates. Um, creates music and not like in the sense of of a lot of times when you think of like recording artists it's almost like it's interesting that you say that because it's kind of making me think that, like have this sort of a little, a little bit of an epiphany but there's certain you know there's certain like uber uber famous artists mm-hmm. and it's almost as if their identity and like whoever it is that they're presenting themselves to be to the public is like overshadows the art that they create when in reality it's it's like, but like it should be the other, almost kind of like the other way around in -hmm. a sense or something, you know, at least be like so intertwined. Like you, you think of like almost like somebody like Andy Warhol comes to mind where like he was kind of almost so intertwined with his creation that it was almost like, it was like one and the same. It wasn't like, right. it wasn't like he was bigger than his art or his art was bigger than him. It was almost just sort of like the art was an extension of him and just, you know, but a lot of times it's interesting you say that because a lot of times in our modern kind of, uh, you know, there's people that come to mind that I, I almost don't want to just like throw it out there, but in our modern sort of world of, of kind of, um, popular music and, and these uber famous, people that are creating music today, it's almost like mm-hmm. a lot of times it's like more about some sort of like weird version of royalty worship than it is about actually like, like their music or something, you know what I mean? So, yeah.
1: And I and there's not always, there's not always a, there's just like, I don't see anything wrong with, um, with being a, with being an artist or wanting to be an artist. That's just, it just I just decided at some point that it wasn't for me. Um, you know, I'm glad that there are other artists that, so they can sing my songs and perform mm-hmm. them. Um, I think, it, you know, it all has to do with the, the person you're talking about. I don't think it's good to sort of have these, like, like you're saying, I guess, I, like uh, some sort of idolatry or something mm-hmm. for them. And, and then, and it overshadows the music, hopefully. Um, it, it, it plays a part in it and it plays, in a plays a part in the way that the listener, here's this song maybe, you know, just like you, <clears throat> you, like maybe you care about something more because of how you feel about the image or, or the idea of that person. You know, you might like, like kind of like a parent might like a, a kid's drawing because it's their kid, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Like, but in a, in a different way, of course. Right. But you, I guess you get what I'm saying. Totally.
0: And, and it is, it, you know, it, like there's some people who, it's not that way. Like I mentioned, like people like Andy Warhol or whatever, but you know, even like people like David Bowie or whatever come to mind. And, and it's, it's, it's sort of a different thing. Um, it, you know, Derek Sivers talking about CD baby and then there's, and then mm-hmm. there's Derek Sivers who started CD baby and now he's gone on to do like, I don't know. He's an interesting guy. He's like kind of like cropped up on some podcasts I've been listening to lately, but he said something about this idea of like, I think it's, I think it's, I think people should strive to be famous because I think that there is a usefulness to people. You can be useful to other people by working to become famous. And it was an interesting thought. And, and, and I think kind of what if I if I unpack it right, I think kind of what he was getting at was just this idea of like, you know, being sort of a thought leader, more or less, and kind of like, sort of using using your fame altruistically to kind of broadcast out sort of a, a message of uh, the, to kind of like inspire people or or teach them things. You know, and, yeah. and and there's there's a lot. There, I mean, I would say that most artists are that. You know, I I think that there's there's a smaller subset of artists lately that are more it's more you know it's more about just kind of it's fame for the sake of being famous and it is about like you know prince is a is a prince somebody like that is like a really um kind of unique entertainer, you know, and he gets Mm -hmm. it and he's got this philosophy and his philosophy and his like vision is I'm going to entertain people, you know, and part of that is part of that is becoming famous and it makes him more useful as an entertainer if he's more famous. But then there's other people who I don't think they come at it that way, you know, and it's not about that. It's more about like, I'm going to become someone who people are privileged to come watch me you know, perform or whatever, you know? So that's, that's cool, man. Yeah. Uh,
1: I feel like, I feel like I, I agree with, I agree with the statement to an extent, but only, only, um, in as much as that the person that is becoming famous can maintain their integrity. Because I think what you, what you see a lot of times is whether it's with music or with it, it, somebody that's on YouTube or, or whatever, eventually at a certain, there's just seems to be a, a tipping point where, um, they seem to be so affected by the, the, what they're receiving back from other people, whether it's comments or whether it's, um, in music, if you get to a certain point, uh, a certain value, um, you could almost say that you, you become like this machine where you have to, you have to do certain songs and you have to have certain songwriters doing your songs because it's like you, there's, there's so much writing on it and there's, they're going to be, the the bigger you get, the more they're going to put into, to, um, to pushing you more Mm -hmm. money behind you. So there's more on the line. So you sort of, all of a sudden you're not the little artist. That's like writing songs in your bedroom. You have people in Mm -hmm. Sweden or whatever writing hits for you and, Mm -hmm. and you're, you you know, and that, that's its own thing too. And, um, but overall that the, the person that's trying to be famous has to be careful about what, like, I mean, like I know anything about it, but they, they need to be, um, careful with what, once they get there, what kind of message there? There can giving.
0: be a narcissism to it. I think that I think that I think that um uh, there's. A, I think that you know clearly neither you nor me are like like famous people in, in any like real sense of it. But I think that it's a concept that's comprehensible and mm-hmm. you know and 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 then you know now it's like a really interesting time where like sometimes i like I think of things this way as like everybody is famous now because mm-hmm. you know i mean it, it it's you're you're so out there, you know i mean if you've got if you've got a thousand friends on Facebook, okay, mm-hmm. well, there's a level of fame, and there's a level of like things that you're doing, like in public, if you've got, like, if you've got 15,000 people that follow you on Instagram, then you're doing things in public. When you snap a picture, you know, 15,000 people see that picture, you know, and you can now make statements about, you can, you can, you can sort of have this, you can put ideas out there, you know, and, and make statements about things and mass communicate things on the, uh, on a certain sense and mm-hmm. you know 15,000 people that's like a small town you know mm-hmm. and you know you can find that like even that can turn kind of kind of like bring narcissism out like uh, where we're at today with our ultra connected kind of lifestyles it, it it does kind of I see a lot of any you know i you know admittedly my, even myself, but I see people I struggle with a sort of like this narcissism, kind mm-hmm. of this undertone of narcissism. There's like, it's really interesting. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and sometimes I struggle with it. Like, what am I doing? Like, you know, I'm looking at the numbers for this podcast I'm like, I want this podcast to grow or, um, you know, thinking about like putting music out there or putting ideas out there or whatever it may be. You know, I, um, a lot of times I'm, you know, I can, I can, have to like keep myself in check. Cause this is like, a why am I doing it? Like, what's the real reason that right. I'm doing this? Right. You know? Right. So I think that, yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a something that we can all comprehend regardless of the fact, whether or not we're, we've ever like set an arena in an arena full of like thousands of 16, 17, 30,000 people and saying into a microphone or not, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, but, uh, so that's cool, man. So you, you're kind of, in this place now where it's, it's, it's not so much about like being doing the artist thing so much as like really you're, you're more focused on really the songwriter thing, huh?
1: Yeah. I mean, I do, I do. Um, I release, I release quite a few songs as, as an artist as well, but, um, but I'm not, I guess I'm not a touring artist Mm -hmm. and, and, um, so yeah, I do. I mean, I still, I love, I love singing. So I still, I still love releasing things and, and making music so yeah yeah I'm still I'm still an artist but I just think of myself as a songwriter first and mm-hmm.
0: then, so you um you are, you are you putting stuff out on iTunes still you're doing full-on yeah. records and things like that yeah I
1: put on I don't I haven't done a full-on record I I, I really just put on I put singles on when I have uh, TV placements typically and um, and uh, and that just makes the most sense for me I mean I, I just just with the albums the, the one album I ever did. Um, it, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, I don't know, maybe one album sold for every like thousand song, individual songs. Right. So, so I haven't had it in my heart to do that um, right. artistically so i i love i love just re- releasing individual songs um so I, not to say that i won't do an album but just like for right now i just like doing Yeah, it
0: kind of seems like it's for the last little while it's been sort of a singles world you know yeah it's all about single songs and people are interested in single songs and not so much really albums uh as much as as maybe you know 15 years ago they were yeah so, um, so that's awesome, man. When you put stuff on, like put stuff out is a lot of times, um, so like the sync placement stuff, is that a lot mm-hmm. of times you're like, you're writing, how does that work? But let's run us through that really. Like, you know, um, let's say like, I don't know how many sync placements you get a year. If you have a particular goal or mark that you're trying to hit with that stuff, but you know, say you're, you're like, okay, cool. Like I'm gonna, um, you know, it's whatever month one, Going to write some music. Is it sort of like people come in with requests? Hey, we're looking for something like this. Can you write something like, like this? We want to put it in this show. Or do you just kind of write stuff and then say you put it out to your publisher and your your your, your team and say here's here's what I've come up with. Like you know, yeah. find a place for this. Maybe all of the above. How does it work?
1: Um, it's it's all of the above, and and it just depends on. Um, I do a lot of co-writing, so I might have you know, um, two or three, sometimes more, uh, co-writes in a week. And then, so, um, and that's coordinated by my publisher. So they'll have, when I'm about to write with somebody, both, you know, the, the other person I'm writing with is usually also on a publisher. So they have, they're, they're getting, they're getting, um, they're getting briefs from four different TV shows and different artists from other places and so that's how that's kind of how it works you know the the tv shows the the record companies they're communicating with the publishers and then the publishers communicate with us so i might be writing with somebody and they'll they'll say i think you should write um like her voice would sound really great on like a trailer so why don't you do like an epic kind of trailer song and then or it might be um you know we have a we need a thing for Grey's anatomy um why don't you, why don't you give it a shot? Here's, here's like the, here's kind of the vibe that we're looking for. Um, and then, um, and then sometimes we just, sometimes it's just, you just get with the person and write a song and then they, and then they try to find a home for it that way too.
0: Cool. So you, um, it depends on what the kind of the request is. Maybe you'll, you'll sit down, you'll kind of write some stuff. And then maybe it's like, you'll sing on it and it'll be kind of like, Aaron Wright performs this or it's, or maybe it's, um, I'm not, probably not the guy to be sort of like the singer on this. I'm going to find like somebody to, else to come in here and put some tracks down or like, mm-hmm. or you're co-writing with people or.
1: It's almost always, I'm almost always singing on what I write and then, and then doing, a, and then doing like a, a girl version too. I write with a lot of girls, it seems like. Um, and so, so yeah, it's almost always me sing singing on it. Uh, unless I'm writing with a guy and he has a particular voice. We still might do two versions because you just don't know which one will work better for a particular scene. Um, My voice coincidentally, coincidentally just does, it does pretty well on TV, I think, because it's sort of soft and and not like real abrasive, I Mm -hmm. think. Um, So it works well behind dialogue. Uh, And then... um, so it's like that. And then I I also do a lot of top lining where I'd get tracks from for like pop tracks. And then I, my job is to write the melody and the, the lyrics over the top. Sometimes, okay. sometimes they'll be looking for like a verse, some, some verses are, are just the hook. Um, sometimes the whole song. Um, yeah.
0: Cool. Awesome, man. Um, well, we're like getting up to the halfway point already. So I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna do a couple of promotional items, And, um, and then we should probably gear up to play another, another song and we can talk about that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then we'll get into the second half of the show. Um, there's, there's a whole lot more that I'd love to ask you. So, uh, I've got some ideas for, for more things I want to ask you, but, uh, real quick, I'm going to cut away, do a little bit of promotion. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I have a resource called recording drums one Oh one. And, uh, you can check that out. It's a, it's simple tips for recording drums. Uh, so that when you're getting into the studio, um, cause I, I noticed a lot of people, they get bogged down with recording drums and, um, or they pick up bad habits. So you've got people who, uh, you know, they, they don't really want to think about recording. A lot of times people just like we were talking about earlier on the episode, actually, um, people get into this, DIY mindset and they want to do everything themselves. And so people start like writing and then, oh, I need to get some recording gear and like record stuff and everything. And I think that you should have some recording gear so that you can kind of, you know, get down your song ideas. But people fall into this this rabbit hole of like trying to learn all this stuff and oh I need to make it I, I can't make it sound good. And they get confused and they get out of their creative flow. And so I came up with this recording drums one oh one, simple tips. That you can just you don't even have to think about it, you can just check out what I've got, do those exact setups, you will get some great sounds, and you'll be able to stay in the creative flow on uh in in the in the music making process and and that's the most important part you can't the most important thing about coming away with the great with great music is is writing a great song and performing it, so check out. Recording Drums 101 on my website at johnstinson.com. That's J-O-N-S-T-I-N-S-O-N.com. Just remember, there's no H in John. Check that out. You can go to the front page just scroll down just a little bit. You'll see the big uh, Recording Drums 101 graphic there. Click on that, and that's uh, everything you need right there. Check it out. There's uh, microphone techniques. Um, There's a little bit of supporting material Uh, I try to keep it very, there's a little bit of technical stuff, but I try to keep most of that out of the, out of the picture. Um, but there's some supporting things like, you know, tuning the drums to get good sounds there. Um, so check it out while you're on that page, use either one of the forms to subscribe to my email list. And I'm going to send you tons more stuff on recording, whether it be recording drums or mixing drums or recording vocals or just general mixing tips or production tips or songwriting stuff or even how to uh, reach your peak creative potential. So check that out. And of course, if you uh, are getting into a project, you're looking for somebody to record with, you want to make a record, you have finished the writing process on your next project, and you, or maybe you've, you've already recorded. And you're looking for somebody to mix it, whether you're looking for recording or mixing, or somebody to produce uh, something with you. Hit me up. You can go to my website, go to the contact page, johnstenson.com/contact. Hit me up and let's talk about it. Onwards to the show. Let's uh, let's get into another song that uh, Aaron Wright, my guest today, has uh, produced and recorded and written. Uh, we'll cut away, listen to that track, and uh, we'll come back and, uh, and talk about it.
2: alive. It goes deeper.
0: man uh so what was what was that track
1: that track was entitled don't question my love and um it was a it was originally originally something i was working on on piano um it it was about it was about something different um and then we got a brief for uh 50 shades of gray so i um i sort of changed the the subject of the song, I guess, and, and finished it and, and turned it in. And I think it may have been in the running for a minute, but the weekend is, is too awesome. So.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So where did that song ultimately end up? Just It ended
1: up, um, I've, it's been on finding Carter and, and it's for sale on iTunes now. I don't, I think it may have been in something else. So I'm not sure. It's one of my, it's one of my favorite songs that I've done. Um, I don't know, I don't know why I just love the way it feels.
0: Yeah, that's cool, man. I know it was a, it was a cool track. It had a cool feel, um, a lot of kind of programmed stuff in there and it was a cool kind of layered, uh, between, you know, these softer piano parts with these cool sort of, sort of like I heard some sort of like fuzzier sort of synths back in the background of it and stuff, cool vocal layers and all that. Was that something you, did you co-write that with somebody or is that all you?
1: Um, that one is all me. Um, and I recorded that, uh, before I had the, the studio done or it was, I did that all in my, in my house with a Radio Shack keyboard and an SM seven.
0: Nice. And so you tracked all that? you recorded all those parts yourself. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Man. That's
1: all me down to the, the mastering and air quotes. You know, I just, I do most of the stuff I, I do when I am producing it. I do it. I do it all myself from, from, mixing and mastering. And and that goes back to our conversation earlier. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the best thing for the song, but, um, but at the same time it, um, it allows me to just get it done really quickly because sometimes I have really short deadlines. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they're calling me and they need me to, to, to record an entire thing and have it by, you know the next day at noon or something i don't have time to send it to a so yeah okay engineer. so
0: sometimes they'll hit you up and say hey man like here's what we're looking for yeah you, you need you to write something this kind of like sounds like this or whatever mm-hmm. um call you tomorrow and then they'll call you like 24 hours later and say all right we're ready can you can you give it to us
1: not even it's i mean yeah They. i just i mean i don't i i can't remember the la- I, don't, I rarely miss that. Dead- I love deadlines. I don't, I, I rarely miss deadlines. So I usually just, I just turn it in, I, you know, sometimes it's down to this, the, the second of when they say it's due, but I turn it in, I turn something in and I love having, I, I, I love having short deadlines cause it, 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 it forces me to, to sort of, um, you know, peel every other little thing you could do. There's a million things you could do in a recording. So it, um, it, it, forces me to, to take it down to what's the absolute most important and get it done and turn it in. Yeah. Um, like, uh, there's, um, I was writing with Jill Andrews, who's one of my favorite artists in Nashville. And, um, and I got a call because I was working with her that day that to do, um, to see if I could, we could do a cover of total eclipse of the heart. Mm -hmm. It was already two o'clock, which is, which is like, you know, three fourths the way through a co-write. Um, and, And we, I mean, we probably, we recorded it and probably in maybe it was under two hours. And then I, I, I worked on it some that night and turned it in like maybe by noon the next day and it was on Grey's Anatomy and it did really well.
0: Wow. Cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's, that's cool. Like, so you find, so what really, like what, what really cajoles you and kind of like you channeled in, in into part of your inspiration your process is quick fast deadlines
1: yeah i love that and i and 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 through doing that and and just making decisions more quickly and and putting it out in the world you quickly realize that that the how how little the listener uh cares about the the things that we care about and it's important for us to care about those things about sonic quality and that you know that last 5% or or so, or 10% even sometimes Mm of, of quality and, and caring about gear and, and, and all that. But, but I think people respond, if you're conveying an an emotion and the, the recording is not so bad that it gets in the way, then, then, you know, I think you're, you're a good ways there. And I've never had anybody, I've never had any listeners on, you know, comment on, on anything that I've seen where it's like, what microphone is that? It sounds like crap or. Yeah. Or, you know.
0: If, if you can, as long as you get that, like the emotion is evoked, like it comes mm-hmm. across, right? And sometimes Either, yeah. that's in, in, in like, with really crappy stuff. Like, you know, you can, like, um, what, Howlin' Wolf, right? Like, I, I think back to, like, Howlin' Wolf in the early days of, like, Sam Phillips. I think that's the first guy he ever signed mm-hmm. and they made a record. And you know, fidelity wise, it wasn't. It wasn't a very. You know, it was yeah. really bad. But, but, but when you listen to Howlin' Wolf on that recording, and he's performing it in his like bluesy, soulful voice, and that scratchy voice, and like just the way he's performing it with so much soul and everything, it's like who cares? Like that. It like that's the point, right?
1: Yeah, and sometimes the the you know what what we what you could argue was a, was a bad. Um, was something that's sonically bad is actually pretty awesome like uh, I mean there's so many old um, like Motown recordings that are totally distorted you know Mm -hmm. and the vocal recordings totally distorted at the and and I love that you Mm -hmm. know yeah
0: yeah absolutely absolutely man That's cool. So when you were saying like, you know, I love working, I like the work and the tight deadlines and that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. it forces me to, 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 to just get to the essence of it all. Or I don't remember exactly how you said it, but like,
1: that's pretty much it,
0: you know? So, um, to you, what is the essence of it? And I know that's like, a lot of times it's like, Case by case, right? But if you were to like pull back and see the bird's eye view and look at it and just like think of to you, like what is the essence of of it that you're that you're after? It's like you know, I want I got to have these quick deadlines. I got to turn things around, and so I'm just going to get. It's always just like laser in.
1: Yeah. What are you after I think um, I don't, huh? I don't. I I think just it's really just about. I don't think there's. You have to have a a good um, a good vocal recording. I care about having a decent, a decent vocal recording, something that's like, you know, not so pitchy and, and it, and it's just good. It's a motive. I care about that. Um, and then instru- keeping instrumentation simple and just finding sounds quickly. So I don't think it's any one particular thing. It's hard, it's hard to say. It just depends on the song. Um, but it's just about making those decisions quickly and and living with it, you know. And I guess trusting your instincts in a way that's 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 fast enough, and not just it's mostly just like not playing around with all the the thousands and thousands of samples you have mm-hmm. on these synths, and, mm-hmm. and just kind of like knowing that something will work and keeping it. It's keeping it super simple, especially if you're especially if you're doing something for um, like a dramatic if it's meant for a dramatic TV show, it it almost needs to be painfully simple, simple because there's going to be dialogue over it mm. and, and it, and it can't, if it's, if there's a bunch of percussive elements, it's going to get in the way mm-hmm. of it. Um, so at this point I did, I kind of just know how to, I mean, production wise, just how to, how to make stuff work, especially for, for dramatic stuff. And then, um, you know, and then, and then I also have like a, I also have a rock project I do, which is like, you know, kind of more similar to, to what you actually recorded me at quad. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. With my old band. Yeah. Um, with my brother, um, uh, playing drums and, um, and so that's, I mean, that's kind of the opposite of what I do for dramatic stuff. And that's, you know, that's more about an attitude and, and like, and those scenes are completely different. Um, and, and it's just dialing in the right kind of drum sound and, and it's you know the complete opposite. Just knowing how to have which that you can, attitude, you
0: can always check out Recording Drums One Hundred One. for. Yeah, <laughs> which I actually i've
1: I've, re- I've i've read your blog post on cool. the Glenn Johns. Oh, cool! Thing. It's really helpful and That's simplified awesome. it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, that, I, the episode that came out right before this one was recapping that Glenn Johns. Uh, you know, I I, I kind of exposed because I put that article out a while back. Yeah, but then I I. I sort of repurposed it and put it on the, on the podcast, just mm. kind of give it a new life because you know, it's super simple, but really powerful, uh, drum sound, you know, yeah, it's fast. Yeah. That's cool. I'm I'm glad to know you checked it out. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. So there's a testimonial right there. there. Yeah. Aaron writes. <laughs>
1: that's cool. Well, I, I, that's I John that Stinson taking
0: credit for Glenn Johns. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you see what I did there? I just took I like all the that. credit for Glenn Johns. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but that's 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 awesome. How do you find that flow, like where you're not going to mess around? There's, we can do anything in the studio now, you know. Right. Like you know, we were just before that we turned on the mics. We were talking about that that Apollo interface you got, and Mm -hmm. and you know, um, all the we've got some of the UA stuff at my studio too, and you know, I mean, our plugins pull down menu now is like you know scrolls the screen like for 6 miles now, you know, and like right. instruments everywhere. You get a new synth and there's like, you know, I've got I mess around with reason sometimes and it's just like you you literally right. could spend every day, mm-hmm. you know, and you still don't you haven't gotten to all the sounds, you yeah. know. How yeah. do you cut through it? How do you find your flow? How do you not let all that stuff bog you down, sidetrack you and just like make these quick decisions and get into a place where you trust yourself?
1: I think that I think with with experience and and having turned in things that have a lot of, you know, the bells and whistles on them, and then having them and then they they're then I'm asked to take them off. Um, I think I quickly realized that you you need to get. I, I know I have to get the core instrument, whether it's like piano or or. Um, or guitar and the vocal. I have to get that down first. So I think I I spend most of my time doing that. And then I, and then I'm, then I feel, then I'm free to, I know I have that and, and I can make that work. Maybe I add some extra pad or some other element. Um, and then, um, because that's usually a lot of times that's how it ends up being used anyway. Um, so then I know after that, that I'm free until I have to turn it in to, to add other stuff and then add, try different things and take it away. So my first goal is always just to get the, get the vocal comps, get the, get it tuned if it needs it and, and get the, and get it balanced with, with the piano or, or a guitar really well. Or if it's a rock song, you know, it's, it's focusing on maybe the drums, the bass and the guitar. Um, and then, uh, does that answer your question? What else did you ask? I can't remember.
0: Just basically, you know, finding your flow and cutting through all that stuff. All oh, right. You
1: know? Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Just-
0: and so, from a writing standpoint, um, how do you start a song? How do you, uh, you know, somebody comes to you? I imagine you know, there's a lot of times when somebody comes to you with a brief. Somebody comes mm-hmm. to you with, you know, here's what we're looking for. And then, and then, but then you're also like with this other project that you, this rock project, you know, maybe you're, you're, yeah. you're sitting down, it's like, how do you start a song? Like, what do you, how does it, what does it look like for you? It's like.
1: It totally, it just totally depends if it's, if it's, um, if, if I get a brief, that's, that's one thing, you know, I, um, they, they'll, they'll usually send some other songs with it that are kind of close to what they're looking for. Usually YouTube links. And then, and then, so you kinda get a feel for like the the mood and and then that sort of informs like what what your what direction you head in, both lyrically and melodically. And then so, you know, from there I'll usually try to just I'll just go do something else. I think there's definitely something to like um, walking the dog or, or whatever. Um like literally walking literally, the dog. Literally or like okay. even like I I've had I've had more than one song idea come about when I was like doing poop scooping in the backyard, uh-huh. um, which would to- could totally ruin the specific song, I guess. So I won't <laughs> say which song
0: you're going to ruin the lives of like these, you know, teenage girls <laughs> yeah. across the nation oh, out there yeah, who sure. like, they're like, sure. they're like, they're like, the, you know, then love that song was it's like perfect in this love scene. And then you're like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you know what yeah, I was doing when I wrote that? Yeah. poop <laughs>
1: Um, so, so yeah, I mean it, it totally depends on on what it is and where it's where it's coming from. Um, so sometimes it comes with, with a melody idea or or some idea I I already had. You know, I keep a list of I keep a list of titles and ideas. Um, and then if it's a co-write, it's a lot of times it ends up being like just us talking and it's sort of like a therapy session. It might be for either of us and we're talking about something we've experienced or or whatever. And then it, you and then they say something, and you're like, oh, that's it, you know. And then you kind of start playing some chords and just it's really just it's really just playing around and then and then it sort of organically happens sometimes people come with a with an idea and and you you just kind of vamp on that and it's really if you were to look at it um if you were like an alien or something and you looked at two two human beings co-writing it you would you would think that they were like they had something wrong with them it's like it's just two people basically like mumbling and nonsense and humming and trying different things. It's, it's just like children playing really. Um, and so I think that's a challenge with songwriting is, is turning off that, um, part of your brain that, that tells you that everything you're doing is dumb, you know? Mm. And, and the, the thing that, that you lose when you're, um, you, you lose that when you're like five or six years old, you start feeling shame. And, mm. um, so a lot of that, so, so, you know, it, it's it, it, so that's why it helps to to write with people more than once and to feel comfortable around them so that you can you can be stupid so you can make stupid. That's things. all
0: really interesting. So so you find that one of the things for like a, one of the key elements. This is kind of a question. This is what I hear you saying. I'm kind of asking. One of the key elements of um, getting into a good co-write with a person and coming out with a, a, a great piece of material is to sit for a while with them and not necessarily write anything, but just talk with them and get really vulnerable with them.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, sometimes it depends on the, it depends on the the individuals as well. I mean, I just find that that that's, that works well for me, especially for an emotive type of song where, where, you know, like a ballad, that's especially helpful. Um, It, it just, and it depends on who it is and what they come with. Sometimes that somebody might walk in and they just have like a really cool, chord progression and then, and it just, it just goes from there. And mm-hmm. I instantly hear a melody on top of it, you know? Um, so it's all over the place. And a lot of times, you know, and a lot of times I'm, if I'm working by myself as well, and I might be like singing over a track and I, I always try to not be, I don't even listen to a track until I'm recording it until I'm like recording. I have like, whether it's my phone or whatever, because sometimes the, um, that in very first time I hear it, I'll have that initial idea. Um, some, some, sometimes the the hook or whatever is written almost entirely the very first time I hear the song. So, um, so yeah. Cool. Yeah. So,
0: so you, um, also I heard you say in there that, um, kind of getting through the, um, Oh, this is like sort of like negative self-talk, I guess. Oh, this is stupid, or right. or or whatever. And you so like, so you're having to. Do you find that you're you're having to battle yourself this internal dialogue of going like, you know, shooting down all your own ideas, or, or and just right. that's a big part of it is Pushing through that.
1: That's a huge. I mean, I think that's a huge part of any creative process. I think, um, it uh, it's uh, it's what is it? It's like the reptile part of your brain. The, it's the part that's, that's, it's sort of like, um, one of the, the earliest parts of our brain from our mm-hmm. ancestors. Dim and it, Yeah. And so that's, it's, um, an irrational fear towards something we should not fear. We shouldn't really fear about, um, presenting like a dumb, like what you think is a dumb lyric idea, mm-hmm. right? That's, you're not going to die. You're not going to get eaten by like a saber tooth tiger or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think growing as, I think growing as any kind of artist is, is like, uh, is trying to subdue that part of your brain or ignore it or, or, you know, with practice you get to where you can kind of just completely ignore it or, or just not care, you know? And that, that's, that's losing your, I think part of that's in losing your ego too. And just not, you know, just forgiving yourself constantly, mm-hmm. you
0: know? Interesting. I like that. So do you, have you ever found that like you come up with something and then your internal dialogue, you're going, Oh, that's stupid. You put it out there anyway. And then, and then you realize, well, and then like your feet, the feedback you get is, well, it's not stupid. It's great. And that's the thing. Totally. Is that usually all, what happens? It happens
1: all the time. And okay. you hear, you hear songwriters saying it all the time in sessions, you know, um, you know, you like constantly like here, um, I got this, I got this idea. It's kind of, it's kind of stupid. It's kind of, you know, or like, I think that the, I think this part should be kind of like this, but probably not this, you know, always kind of making, um, making like ex- sort of apologizing for them. Apologizing yeah. constantly yeah. for, for the idea they're about to present. Uh, so, you know, that, and, and so going both way, I mean, that's why it's, it's good in, in co-writing to, to really be, you know, sometimes you just, you like, I literally tell the other person like, look, like, you're in a safe place. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause I want it kind of joking, but kind of cause they'll say like, Oh, this is kind of stupid. I'm like, you're, you're a, hey, you're in a safe place. Yeah, Like you can, you can, we yeah. can say stupid stuff and we're, um, and not squashing it. You know, the, you can be, you can, you can write with people that are like, uh, no, nah, they'll literally be like, that's a stupid idea or, and that, that really, I, that breaks up the, that you're in a brain, whenever you're brainstorming with somebody, which is what, songwriting is that you're you're saying, what if we did this? What if we did that? They, I, it's so important to not, to not be negative. Mm -hmm. You can be neutral or positive, Mm -hmm. but not, you shouldn't be negative. You know,
0: that's cool. I've heard people talk about that before. There's uh, a mentor of mine that talks about like the idea of group mind and then these, and then the idea they've adopted. A lot of people do this like in uh, in, in sort of in the startup world or or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, people take, uh, like from improv comedy, right you know that 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 main principle like with improv comedy is like it's always yes. And so like if, if you and I are on stage together and we're performing this improv comedy sketch in front of people, any idea that I present in the moment, you always go yes. And, and you just build on it. Like never would we ever right. say no and, and shoot it down. It's always like we, you always say yes. And you say, and, and you add to it. it's an add to it. it's an add to. It. Yeah. And, Cause you're
1: moving forward and you can yeah. always go back and edit, but mm-hmm. you, you can't, it's, but if you stop the flow of ideas and idea generation and creativity, then it's hard to get that back in that, that person, if the person, other person is hurt like emotionally and that they're going to be, they're going to, they're going to feel it's going to be even multiplied. That, yeah. that, that voice in their head right. saying that's stupid. They just won't, they'll kind of shut down. So it's just not, it's not good. And so sometimes if the other person's like that with me, it takes, it takes more energy for me to have to, to, to squash that part of my brain. If I present an idea and they're like, I don't like that or that's, you know, whatever. Um, and so that, that comes with, that comes on both sides of having the, of maturing as a songwriter is, um, you know, having the maturity to, to not do that, to, to encourage Mm -hmm. other people's ideas so they keep going. And then when you are discouraged to, to like, to keep the flow going,
0: Mm -hmm. how'd you, how'd you sort of like learn that? Was it just like through experience and keep doing reps or like, how'd you become aware of sort of, I don't,
1: I, um, I don't know. I think, I think, I think, uh, I think I'm sort of just, I think I, I, maybe I think just a lot of it's just observed and, and and you know when i was younger i read a lot about um about creativity and and things when i would when i would feel like i had um writer's block or something you know or i was doubting myself i would you know read different things Mm -hmm. so a lot of it's just experience and and some of it you know just trying to learn learn about it and how the mind works Mm-hmm. and why I would feel a certain way or why somebody else would or what's the most useful, mm-hmm, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, where do you find inspiration? Like, where do you find an inspiration these days in your music? Or that you, like, put into your music, rather?
1: Yeah, I always, I've always had it from... I've always put pieces of my own life and experience into into whatever I do or uh or, or a certain feeling or or something I've I've felt uh if or, or sometimes if I've felt empathy for someone else or if it's their story or it's always been pretty much the same. It's always like my love for my wife or you know, it's just if it's a you know, some sort of like breakup song maybe from something from when I was much younger. Um just something I've felt before. Um, always, that's always what it is. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I draw from anything other than that really.
0: Just life experiences. Yeah.
1: And sometimes, sometimes I draw, I guess from the mood, but still like feeling, you know, thinking about things I want to hear, things I would, you know, I, yeah, I'm nothing. So is sweet. there
0: always like in your music, is there always something that's like sort of somewhat autobiographical and very personal, like Yeah. it's rooted there?
1: yeah always I mean the first song that we played home um I was asked to write for a certain style for a certain thing, but um all those all those words uh, when it talks about you know there's like in the bridge there's it talks about my my mom, my dad, my brother, like I don't have a sister or anything I didn't add anything fake it it um it's all sort of like how I would imagine if I was coming home like it's like my my dad's like doing something in the garage, you know, with his hands, mm-hmm. my, my mom's on the front porch, like waving and my brother's like, I'm just glad to see you. Um, and, and I think that's why my songs do pretty well. Besides, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of people, that, uh, it can almost be a bad thing to say, like I write songs for TV, um, because sometimes they can sort of be shallow. Uh, uh, they can, uh, they cannot not have a whole lot of depth because, they're meant to not have depth because it, that makes it work better. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, uh, certainly I've done songs that are intentionally simpler, but there's always, I always try to like make it at its core, still like a really solid song and something that I felt. And and that is transferred. I mean, I think that's the job of any, um, artistic medium is to transfer some sort of emotion, whether it's negative or positive, Um, so I think that's, I think that's in part why, why it does, they do well on their own as songs just out on iTunes or or whatever, as opposed to just being something that's only useful for like a scene. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's why I don't do very well in commercials too, because commercials tend to be, a lot of times the commercials have to be super simple where it's just repeating some sort of phrase and it's more like a, you know. So I, I don't get many actually, commercials.
0: Worked on one of those today. Yeah. Yeah. Selling uh, some kind of insurance or something.
1: Yeah. Which um, is an awesome way to make a living. Sure. Like, I would much rather do things that I, I would, I'd, I, I all I want to do is play music. I so. would.
0: Yeah. I would rather work on a song that sells insurance than actually sell insurance. I would you love I mean? to. I would love
1: to write <laughs> a song for insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. yeah.
0: The insurance industry is big. Awesome, man! We're getting up to towards the end of the show, and there's there's so you know there's just there's so many things I want to ask you about just music rapid, creation rapid and all that. Well, I think the the direction that actually I, I want to go really is to, is to dig in a little bit, um, with this panic at the disco thing, man, because that's mm. really interesting. And I want to give a, I want to, I want to dig in that a little bit. And then maybe, yeah. maybe after that, there might be a little bit of time to, to, to do some kind of rapid fire stuff, but either way, <laughs> we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to, we're going to have to have you back on the show because oh, you're, you're such a, uh, um, a layered guy that has, uh, really made his own way in a lot of different areas and, and, and just kind of like, kind of just created a lot of things, whether it be music, but like you're, um, you know, I'm very inspired by all the kind of like things that you, you just created to sustain yourself, to create this lifestyle for yourself. And it's very, it's very interesting. It's very rare. It's, um, very ambitious and uh, and and it would be my definition of success. And it's really inspiring oh, and cool. Thank so you. there's a lot to ask you. There's a lot to unpack, and, and many more episodes. I think there's a lot of, of things that, that that we could just pull out to like to learn, and I personally can learn from. But let's for now, let's talk about um, the the whole Panic at the Disco thing, man. Because that happened when. How did that come about? And like that, that's a, a more recent thing. And you know that like as today that that we're recording this episode, that it was the album went number one. One, right. right. Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah. So that's real exciting. Um, that, that came about, I I think, um, I think what, I think how it happened was um, uh, Evan Tobenfeld, who is the A&R guy. He was the A&R guy for that record. He, he has an office in songs publishing, which is my, which is my publisher along with chop shop music supervision. So I think they were, I think he overheard them playing one of my songs that I wrote, with uh sean van vliet who is the guy i wrote um oh, the,
0: cool. I, I, the I, song with the I walk him. out on me yeah oh you do okay uh, yeah well we real quick not to interrupt you but we did um i was producing and managing a band going on tour with them and we did a series of shows uh with his band empires yeah
1: yeah so his band is named empire yeah. and then and we wrote that song for courtney love to sing on empire um so we have our li- we write every we try to write every Tuesday. Um he's in LA. We try to write via via Google Hangout every Tuesday. That's and, interesting. And we call our writing duo Imperial because he was in a in a, in a band called Empire. We had a song in Empire and so Imperial is like of em of an empire. You nice. Know? So um so yeah, our writing group's called Imperial. We wrote a song that was that that uh called Hot Wired that is still that we just love and it's still being pitched but um it was being played in the office and evan toppenfeld overheard it and and he um and he was working on the on the um on the panic record and he had some so he had some tracks so he sent me some tracks over just to 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 top line parts of it um, and that was a really, that's an interesting process, how, how pop songs are, are sort of made. And then, you know, you do your thing and you send it back and, and then the band sort of like, um, you know, makes changes and, and suggestions. And then, um, and then they, they write certain parts of it. And so it's just, it's this like, uh, it's a collaborative effort. That's that, that like, I've never met them before, mm-hmm. but we wrote a song together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh. And so, yeah, that's how it happened. And, um, it was a really cool experience and yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing to hear, you know, to like, to, to write something and, and then hear, you know, all the, their, their fans and stuff like singing it at their concerts. It's really,
0: that's cool, man. I like kind of
1: being in the, in the shadows and just being like, Hey, I, I wrote the, I wrote a few of those words on my, on my porch, you know? So, um, so yeah, I love that.
0: That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, c- congrats on that. That's that's Thank that's you. huge, and 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 I know you feel good, and it's 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 really cool to to just like to see that. And so yeah, man, fist pumps in the air. Fist it's pumps. Like, yeah. So you you just you mentioned with Sean that you get together once a week and do co-writes on Google Hangout. That's very interesting. How, how's that? I mean, is is is. Do you do that much like be it besides him?
1: No, not really. I've done it one other time with another artist and and that went that went well. Um it, it uh you know, it's not a whole lot different from writing in person as long as the connection's good. That's been Sean and I's challenge is, is his connection. I I went ahead and got um I got fiber for the studio. So so it's like it's super fast. So I don't have any it's it's pretty it's pretty good. And then I, I've I've got my I've got I've got it set up so that when we're that he can hear my um, the session through logic so we can actually like build the track as he goes okay. and he can hear it in his headphones just as it's coming out of my computer. Okay, so, so
0: like, so like live across yeah, the internet. Yeah. So I'm like building
1: the track and he can hear what I'm doing. Like, is there a the delay? Drums. Um, yeah, he has a delay sometimes if he had, if he, once he gets better internet, he, it's going to be a lot easier, but it's still doable and we we've done it we've written tons of songs like that. And, um, you know, of course it's better to be face to face, but, um, it's also pretty awesome to be able to use technology to your advantage and, yeah. and still crank out some songs. Um, and he's just one of my favorite people. So, I mean, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to, to get the to right songs with That's that guy. That's
0: pretty cool. I, I, I would think that, um, you know, so, I do a lot of sessions where we are we're, we're recording mm-hmm. songs that have already been written and we're doing it, you know, there may be a producer in 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 California and then a songwriter could be, you know, I don't know, Boston or 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 Germany or something and then a lot of the players and and myself were in a studio in Nashville. It's the recording mm-hmm. process, right? The songs already been written and everything. And that works out all right, you know. Um it comes with its own challenges and it was it, it, I've been doing that a while so it, so it kind of took a while to get the kinks out and then like learn the flow and yeah. not have technology be in the way, but it, it's, you know, it's a co-write. I'm, I, my, I've never done that, you know, I've never done that and I've never really talked to somebody who's done that. So I would just think that, you know, that, that could pose a, It's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool that you guys do it and you get, yeah. you come away with some cool stuff because, um, to me, did you find that that was like a mental, did it, did it was it a hurdle to get over it all? Or did you did it take a while to find the flow or did that, did that just never really bother you?
1: Um, it never really no, it never really bothered me really. I think it's it's always been very I mean you know, it's, I mean songwriting is just communicating with somebody else. So I mean it's it's just like it's kinda like just having a conversation between you know, just it's as easy as it's just that it's the same difference between talking to somebody in real life and talking to them like on FaceTime or yeah. Google Hangouts. So I I love it. I mean I'd much other same in person, like I said, but um but it works. I just wish, you know, it, sometimes it, just, it it can get annoying if you, if it's like dropping a lot or yeah. um, if there's a terrible delay, but, uh, and some of it has to do with being prepared. Like he'll usually send me, um, our, our relationship is usually we've had the best luck when he would send me some, he'll send me like a, like a, something he recorded on his phone. It's just like an idea. Um, and then I, I will usually, and then so sometimes we work independently where he'll send me a phone ID and I finish the song. That's how, mm-hmm. that's how walk out on me. Um, the song we did for empire worked out is that he just sent me like an old idea he had. And then I, and I just like finished it, you know, and turned it in and, and, um, and then other times he'll send me like, Hey, what if let's work on this Tuesday and, uh, or what do you think about this? Um, just some, him mumbling over a guitar or whatever. And we're just so comfortable with each other that, um, you know we just know how to communicate with each other and and then and then that inspires us to you know both feel like creative so, yeah so yeah it, i think that helps it be easier it could be it could be i could see it being a train wreck like working with somebody else like for the first time especially if you haven't worked with them in person and you're just like let's do a google hangout that could be like yeah kind of awkward yeah you know? yeah yeah
0: <laughs> That's cool. Well, killer, man, we're already pretty much to the end of the show. So I want to say, um, this is how I want to end the show. I want to ask you, um, first, uh, what in the last handful of years, mm-hmm. so that to, this would be sort of like the thing that, that, that can kind of be like the big takeaway for people, um, listening, uh, cause I like to have kind of action, somewhat actionable or takeaway or something. Yeah. But, but, um, in the last handful of years, what's been the like big epiphany for you that has been the catalyst for um, for where you're at and like the sort of like to, that created you know kind of a big breakthrough for you that 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 you would attribute to your where you currently are you know and what you're creating what was like what was like your single biggest kind of like learning experience as a music creator in the last handful of years that's really impacted you.
1: I think, um, I think, like I said before, having going all that time without having a team and having, I mean, it's night and day having, having, um, Casey Truman and, um, Alex Patsavas, who's the, who started chop shop and then all the people at songs, um, Carrie Ann Marshall and Rachel Jacobson and all these people that, that you just know they, they, they work so hard on the business side of things. And, and then that, that frees you up so much. I can't even, I can't even like, it's hard to quantify how much more free I am to create things because I don't have to worry about that. I know that there's, several people that care about my music and they love it and they're looking for opportunities for me um and so that sparks creativity having opportunities to to just having opportunities like if you don't know what your opportunities are and you're just creating um just as an artist then it has to be totally um intrinsic you know it has to be something that you just want to do, you -hmm. know, as opposed to having, when you know you have other people, especially for my personality anyway, it's like, uh, I I do much better when I have other people that, that, um, that I care about and I care what they think that I can send something to and they're asking me for it, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Um, so, so it, the per the, the person who is, not quite there yet. What's the one thing that they can do? The person who's doing it, like they want to transition from like, I'm doing it all myself to building this team. Yeah. Uh, what's the, what's the one thing that you do to, to, to begin that transition and then get start to get your team on board with, with what, you know, enroll them in what you're doing and your music.
1: Yeah. I think, I think they, they have to try to get their music to, to people, to, to, to publishers. They need to try to do, they need to try to write with other people that are on, That are already signed to publishers, if they can. It's just, it's a people business, you know. Just like be, be friends, and don't be, don't like, don't. I don't even like saying networking. Like networking is just doing something for yourself. Like be, be, be like a genuine person, be a genuine friend, and people will, and help other people, and they'll want to help you. So, I would. I mean, I would say, um, you know, send your music to people and like write with other, get in with the writing community. Like if you write with somebody that's on a publisher, their publisher is going to know you exist, especially if you do something really cool. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if there's, there's not an easy way to do it besides just communicating with other people and just writing the best songs you can. Um, you know, and sending it to people. Cool,
0: man. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, dude. Well, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a, a brilliant show. It's been great hanging with you. Thanks, uh, thanks for, thanks for being on. Thanks for being our first guest of 2016. thanks for just uh, telling your story and dropping all these knowledge bombs on us. And like I said, <laughs> I want to get you back on the show. Um, this has been, it's been fun. It's been fun to hang out at your studio and come over here and get out of my neck of the woods for, uh, for a little bit and, uh, yeah, I look forward to more, man. And I look forward to, to seeing what, uh, what else you create this year and beyond. Um, where can people find out more about you?
1: You can go to aaronwright.com. It's Aaron with one a, a R O N W R I G H T.com. Um, yeah, everything's there.
0: Sweet links to all to, to download your stuff on iTunes. Yeah, uh, you can
1: Google, you can just search for me on iTunes as well
0: killer yeah killer man so um yeah you're gonna play us out i guess with the final track
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna play a song that i wrote with uh with sean it's a pop song we wrote um called lay your freak on me sweet <laughs> yeah.
0: is this something that, that ended up in the show somewhere or
1: uh, you guys no we i think we wrote it for a movie but um we both just really love it and awesome uh, yeah so
0: awesome man that's perfect mm-hmm. well I'm, I'm i'm glad man so uh i'll have to i'll have to reach out to him and uh and, uh, and tell him, um,
1: you can do a podcast. Via yeah. I've got to do a
0: podcast with him for sure, man. That's <laughs> awesome. All right, man. Well, uh, like I said, it's been awesome. Uh, everybody uh, make sure you get subscribed, stay subscribed to the modern recordist on iTunes. Uh, go search the modern recordist on iTunes, hit the little subscribe button, go to my website. You can sign up to my email list. Uh, that's a way to, uh, also get subscribed. Uh, make sure you never miss an episode, johnstinton.com. Uh, make sure that if you got something out of this episode and you know, a friend or three or 10 or whatever, that would also get something out of this episode. Uh, drop them a link in a text, in a tweet, uh, Facebook, share it with some friends that you know would appreciate the modern recordist. And lastly, make sure, uh, you take a, a minute, 60 seconds to leave a rating on iTunes, good and honest ratings and reviews, communicate the value that this show brings to people and ensures that we can continue to bring on great guests that can that can share valuable information with you and their stories and 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 help us to create continue to, to create a life of uh, artistic visionary. So there's more for you next week. And in the meantime, go live your life of an extraordinary artistic visionary and create something impactful in the world.